creative company is so delicious, and the creative process is one of my favorite subjects. How humans can create something out of nothing is wildly exciting to me. And one of the best ways I love to spend my time is writing and recording my songs. My friend Bob Zung is a woodwinds player. He's played with the Four Tops and Ray Charles, Sammy Davis Jr. and the Manhattan Transfer. He's talking to us today about all his different playing situations and all the styles of music he's played in. And he was also a fantastic alto sax player for my song, Sad Stranger, on my Among the Ruins Too True album. We had a fabulous talk. He's a fabulous musician. And if you need to study saxophone, he's the guy to study with online. Hi. Hi. God, it's good to see you. My God. You don't look a day over 35 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess it was around 35. Well, I've been here for 32 years or so. What brought you there? Where, where were you born here? What you know the answer? That's an old joke. What brought what what brought me here? The airplane, of course. But um, <laughs> that's that's one of the oldest jokes. <laughs> in, um, I just had been interested in Japan since I was a kid. Probably you know my father was actually in Yokohama after the war. Oh, um, he was like doing traffic, uh, <laughs> doing everything he could to screw up the traffic in Tokyo. Probably. <laughs> He didn't fight. I mean, he was during the war. He was on Cape Cod, I think. Thank God, because oh. otherwise he wouldn't have survived. Um, but so you know, he brought back stuff from Japan. He brought he brought back these little things, and uh, I don't know. I just you know, I never, I never felt, I never felt at home in the states. I don't feel at home here either. But um, <laughs> uh, what planet I just, would you prefer to be on? Exactly. I just, <laughs> You know, so, so I gave up. It's like, all right, it doesn't matter where I go. It's, it's always going to be the same thing. So, but, uh, you know, I just was always interested in, and uh, so, and when I was, so I taught at Berkeley from 84 to 91. Oh, wow. So did you start in 84? I guess you started I in did. 84 too. Yeah. So that's what it is. Wow. You've been there for. What, 40 years? Have you been teaching there for 40 years? Nearly, yeah. Damn. I, I did damage only for seven years. You've been doing damage for 40 years. Woo. Yeah, that's why I have so many issues. No. <laughs> <laughs> Think of all the lives you've destroyed. I mean, I only had seven years to destroy lives. <laughs> I know. It's like over 10,000 students, and it's, it's like mind-boggling. That's incredible. That and is incredible. You were probably teaching like I was. I was giving lessons in high school even. Yeah, you know, that's funny. Sure, sure. Right. And, and you know, from the, from the very first time I started to teach, actually, my, my senior year at Berkeley, which was 1974, they had a program where they had, I guess, seniors could teach people from the outside who wanted to come in and take some lessons. Oh, how cool. So... That was interesting. Uh, I still it? remember. Where'd you grow was up? That, you, I w I'm from Boston. Oh, wow. I was born in Boston. That's why, you know, my house was like 30 minutes from, from Berkeley. So, and I used to go see there when I was, you know, a kid, like I used to go see their concert, the student concerts and the faculty concerts. And, uh, you yeah. know, Herb, Herb Pomeroy, he yeah. used to teach the MIT jazz band, I guess the MIT jazz big band. 
That's right. Used to go see that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I had all this great, oh, man, it was just so great. So, um, <laughs> But what got you interested in sax to begin with? And all the woodwinds. You play a lot of wind, woodwinds. Yeah, flute and clarinet, too. Um, clarinet, too? Oh, yeah. I own one. I own two of them now, actually. <laughs> Ooh. Um, you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who was a sax player, and I, said, I asked him the same question. Why did you, how did you start on this? Why did you choose the sax? You know? Yeah. So he said, well, you know, my father had this book of instruments and, you know, with all these pictures. And he said, I opened it up, and, there, and I said, the golden snake, right? That's what it was. And he said, yeah, I saw this thing. You know? I said, that one, that's the one I want. <laughs> That's great. But, uh, I just, uh, I played piano for about three years when I was a kid, like classical, you know. Wow. And I actually, I took a year of classical guitar. Nice. Well, I don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far, but uh, <laughs> so I learned how to play. That's all I could do after a year. That's, that's uh, a lot. <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was fun. My cousin played classical guitar and I just, I just fell in love with the sound of it. And uh, I used to, you know, I, I still sometimes, I listen to Segovia and uh, Julian Bream. And, and yeah, not, I think actually, there's another guy, I think his name is John Williams, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. So, um, and then quit that too. And um, why did I choose the sex? That's a good question. I, you know, Golden Snake. <laughs> the Golden Snake. The Golden Snake. Uh, actually, a friend of mine, a friend of mine's father had a massive jazz collection in his basement, and we would go over there and listen to records. And, mm. um, and when we weren't doing that, I'd go over to another friend's house, and I would do air drums to the Dave Clark Five. <laughs> nice. I love playing drums. Yeah. So. Like, <laughs> so um, What's yeah, your I don't know. What's your favorite kind of music to play and, and in what setting? What type of instrumentation around you? I have no idea. Absolutely. It's too, it's too wide, you know. It's, yeah. Uh, from doing flute and clarinet, I got into classical music. And uh, when I started playing professionally, I mean, I was already doing funk gigs and pop gigs. And uh, I love all of it. It's, it's um, gee, I don't know. Because sometimes you're in a section and you got to play as one, and sometimes you're standing out as a soloist. And I, sure, I think you, sure. you have that that broader background that a lot of musicians don't, where they stay in one particular kind of situation. And uh, you've played in all these different situations, and yet you true. know how to shift gears. You know how to be the person they need in that moment, like without an ego, which I think is pretty tremendous. <laughs> Me, no yeah. ego. Well, I mean, you're not not an ego that that you know, no, no. like when you played the solo on Sad mm -hmm. Stranger on my song, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you played this beautiful, very David Sanborn musical. This fits like oh. a James Taylor type song, beautiful okay. thing. When mm -hmm. we did the record release concert at the Berkeley Performance Center, and a friend in the band quickly grabbed a sax player and said, "Oh, this guy can stand in since we don't have Bob." Um, he came into the rehearsal and played the most out Ornette Coleman crazy, <laughs> all shocking, every crazy. Oh, man. And. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> you know, and it was just, he was like having the greatest time. And I'm playing this really soft James Taylor type music score to remember the song a little bit. And he said, well, you know, I'm really known as an out player. And it was like, yeah, you can play out like seven blocks from here. Like, <laughs> right, right, go out. Keep going, you know. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I just, that's not what I need for tomorrow night, you know. So, right, right, right. <laughs> and he said, no, 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 really, I'd love to play the Performance Center. Uh, if you want, I'll transcribe Bob's solo and I'll play it note-to-note <laughs> tomorrow night. But that's what he did because oh he was known as an out player. Out player like, yeah. but, but I feel like if you're not making a joke and you're really serious about that, do you really think that fits a James Taylor type song? Like, was that even necessary? <laughs> you know, people, yeah. people get, you know, they get this, this, this train line starts and they go and it's, it's amazing. man. It's like, Hey, you know, well, you know, for me, the beginning was like studio. I, I kind of, I listened to Phil Woods a lot because he was the guy back then. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he was playing great jazz. Then he played with a big band, Quincy Jones's big band. And later on, he played, you know, Billy Joel's. Well, you know, the guy who played Billy Joel's solo. That's all they know about Phil Woods. Yeah, right. well, I've done that too, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, for me, he was like, you know, that's, that was the thing. A studio guy who can do every style, different things. And I guess... Uh, and also, in my generation was all big bands. I mean, you know, Berkeley at that at that time, from morning to night, it was all big bands, and it was such a great way yeah. to learn. So, yeah, playing in a section. I love playing lead alto. Um, I love playing solo. I love playing musicals um, because yeah. that's musicals have classical. They have you know Dixieland, Clarin, anything you can think of. It's in there. Yeah, and, and then uh, you get to do all the uh, doubling and tripling. And- right. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I just, I just found that I, I also found actually what I finally realized was I, you know, yeah, I love, why do you do music? I love music. Yeah. I'm, I'm addicted to sound. That's all it is. So, yeah. you know, if, you, if we talk about the guitar, I love the sound of the guitar. The piano, I didn't have any great love for the sound, but um, really, because I I love sitting at my piano and then just being surrounded by all those harmonics and overtones uh, and it just uh, I go oh my god this thing is huge you know it's like driving the right, big right. bus my friends <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah compared to a guitar but the guitar at least sure, sure. if it's acoustic it's it's against your body and you feel right, the right. and stuff and that's sure sure yeah that's the whole thing with with woodwinds too because it's always. This is vibrating. It's, oh my gosh! It's all yeah. of the vibration. Yeah. Oh, that's wow. a huge part of it. Wow. I, you know, I, I've tried to tell people that. <laughs> I, I've and tried, that's, you know, that got to be a huge like, part of the tone. It absolutely. It's like because it we back out. Absolutely. The, wow. If you're playing saxophone, you've got it in your mouth, so you hold all. You know, it's all vibrating. And what I also realized was when I actually probably was on a teenager when I was at, at, at Berkeley too. I got colds all the time. I used to get, I used to have a cold constantly. Um, so, and then when I got a little older and I was again working, I'd get cold. I got so many colds. I got used to, to playing with a blocked ear with my ears blocked. And I realized that, um, a lot, you know, when I play it's, I I'm listening to it, but actually even more than that, 
I'm doing it from the vibration. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody, you know, it's like, well, you know, you hear, how do you, the vibration of the thing is, is the deepest thing. Not for me, not the, not the, whatever comes in through here. So, yeah. And, uh, and so each instrument, you know, clarinet has a different thing. Flute has a different thing. Sax, they're all different. And uh, I just, I just love sound. And I got into to saxophone and all of that stuff. Not because, man, I'm going to play these hip bebop licks. I, I don't care about when I listened to Phil Woods back then, I didn't care what he was playing. I didn't know what he was doing, but his sound was such a, so, so beautiful that, you know, and um, I've been influenced so much by singers. That's, that's mm. a huge thing for me. Like so, who? Lulu. 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 She was really good. She had, she had a thing. <laughs> she was English, I guess. Yes. But she had a thing that I, I like to vibrato and her sound and, and people like, I don't know. That's so cool. Anybody, Aretha Franklin, um, Donnie Hathaway, Donnie Hathaway, man. Whoa. People yeah. don't know enough about Donnie Hathaway. Well, he died fairly young, but um, he's got this, he's got a, an album called Extension of a Man. And there's a song on that called Someday We'll All Be Free. Wow. And, when I heard that song, it was like, that's how I want to play. That's, that's, if you've never heard that song, by all means, everybody who's watching this broadcast, <laughs> Donny Hathaway, Someday We'll All Be Free. And not only that, the, the, the accompaniment is this big band. So it's, wow. it's right between what was and what's going to be. And, you know, um, yeah. oh God, his singing is, uh, you know, at that time, Stevie Wonder and then George Benson came up and all. But Donny Hathaway, oh, man. Wow. That's so cool because they say every instrument was invented to imitate the human voice. Uh, and then... Uh, I, I, I used to say that I think it's the trombone is the closest to the human voice. Is that what it was? I was just wondering about that sure. because I had heard that the duduk is. The Armenian, <laughs> the Armenian uh, duduk. I've heard and of it. It's, I don't, it's like we don't really like whining people, but we like whining right, instruments. Uh, <laughs> and if it can cry and whine, we go, wow, that sounds like a person. Uh, it, sounds, <laughs> it sounds like my sister. On a, <laughs> but you know, it's funny. Oh, speaking of that, singers yeah. and all that. Yeah. So that's another funny thing. So um, here's the story. Sinatra. So the story I heard about Sinatra was that he learned how to sing by listening to, I guess it was Tommy Dorsey, the trombone player. At least wow. he was very much affected by that. So now the next generation, I was affected by listening to people like Sinatra. So right. it's funny, it started from the instrument to the singer and then to the instrument. And, you know, and Nat King Cole, I mean, my God. Yeah, uh, Aretha Franklin, anybody, any of those people, man. I yeah, could, Jesus. I mean, excuse me. Oh, I want to apologize in advance. I'm probably going to offend offend somebody. In fact, I'm probably going to offend myself. In fact, I'm pretty sure. So I want to apologize in advance. Sorry about that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I uh, was in junior high school, to be in any of the stage band productions or the jazz band you had to play a concert instrument so they roped you into playing in the concert band and the marching band so i had to pick another instrument couldn't play guitar in those and i picked flute and okay. 
one summer, I remember taking home an alto sax because they said, hey, you know, it's the same fingering. I was like, really? You know, so played uh, alto sax for a few weeks and my lip was like this gigantic swelling from all that uh, resonance and right, right, right. It was like, I can't play soup right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just wrecked my embouchure. So that's interesting that you can go back and forth and it's, it's, it's not a problem. That's the challenge though, you know, and if you're playing musicals, Really? You know, you might you might spend three minutes playing this difficult clarinet piece, and then the next thing you have to do is on the fluter. Yeah. Um, it's that's a challenge. But you know, after a while you get used to it. If you if you look from the outside at somebody who, who's doubling, it's like, you're crazy, man. Here's the flute. Put it down. Now pick up the clarinet. Now do this. Now it's, it's insane. But you know, it's just, oh, this is what it is. Okay, so now I do this and now I do this. The guys in New York are I mean, they play oboe. I, I, I struggled with oboe for two years, but I gave it up. Um, huh. That's the challenge. And a whole it's, different you know, thing with the air, right? You need a little bit of air. Oh, God. It's, oboe is all about the, your air pressure. It's how you use the air. Well, actually, all of them are. Um, and if I get started on that topic, it'll go on forever. But, um, <laughs> but it is interesting how when they say Bob's own woodwinds, it's a whole yeah. slew of instruments. I guess that happens for guitar players too, because then if they're doing theater, it's banjo, guitar, ukulele, sure. mandolin. Sure. They just go, it's got strings. You can play it, right? You know. Sure, sure. I remember when you were working on Sad Stranger with me in 1989, you were the first person that mentioned how challenging it is to have a theater seat because there are cues in the music and everything that's written down has to be played the same way every single night. Ah. <sighs> Well, that's an interesting thing. Um, actually, <laughs> <laughs> there's more room. There's, there's a few. Okay, let me start offending people now. <laughs> <laughs> when, wow, I, for me, the goal is never to play it exactly the same way. Here's what happened. Here's the problem. If you have a singer, if you have <laughs> singers that don't sing well, mm. you pretty much have to do it the same way because if you do anything different, they, and. If you have singers that don't sing well, exactly. And if they don't sing well, the if the person who wrote the music understands that, they'll write the melody in one of the parts so that that's like a guide for them to sing with. Oh. You know, you never hear anybody in the orchestra playing the melody underneath Barbara Streisand. <laughs> it's not going to happen. She doesn't she doesn't need that or Sinatra. That, so um there's that aspect of it, but um, yeah, there's the cue and there it is. And here we go. But, yeah. um, in fact, the, the, this, I guess from a jazz player's point of view, the misunderstanding is, man, why do you, why do you want to do that? Are you going to play the same thing every night? Yeah. And it's not that at all. It's, um, it's the, it's, I guess <laughs> at risk of sounding like I have an ego, or I don't care about any of that stuff. It's, it's the craft of it's it's a craft of being able to do that kind of thing. So I would think it's like a consistency and an, an excitement to play something as uh, ready and, and mature and as great as you can. It is. You know, because I was in a tribute band 
for 12 years and 13 tours. And then a bunch of years went by and I was in another tribute band for four years, touring all around New England and playing theaters and festivals right. and things. And, you know, everybody knows what's supposed to be in there. Everybody <laughs> knows the parts and it's right, like a pop right. up fly, you know, it comes that beetle lick. Everybody's expecting, I got it. I got it. I ain't got uh, it. Like if you don't hear it, you can't play it. And right, it's, right. some of these songs went by so quickly in the Beatle band that, uh -huh. It's a minute, 58 seconds. It just hits. And it's like, you've got to be on. You've got to be there. It's got to have energy. And, and people are going crazy because they love these songs. And it's almost like the Olympics. They're like holding up cards like, 10, you did it. it right, was right, right, right. We right. loved it. Wow. Right. You know? uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty stunning. But why this is so fascinating to me is because a tribute band situation is totally unnatural. Because if I was in any kind of... Uh, if I, you know, if the Beatles were out playing, they'd be just playing the songs any way they happen to morph and play that night, you know. Sure. But yeah. we're trying to imitate a record of a performance that everybody right. does really right. well. And that's, sure. that's abnormal. It's almost closer to playing a classical piece or playing uh, in a theater situation. Sure. And so sure. did you know Sandy Cott? Was she there? Sandra Cott playing violin at Berkeley when you were there? No, not oh, you probably just the violin thing. Yeah. Well, when she I was just, teaching, I, Matt Glazer was the, I guess he was a department the department chairman. Guy. I knew him, but that's all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I met her because we, I guess, we're on the same floor in the 1140 building at that time. And mm -hmm. um, I got up the nerve to ask her to play a melody on one of my songs called The Garden. And uh, she also played on Baby's Blue. And uh, she came over and she asked me, how would you like me to play this? Because I just had a few bars written down, this little melody. And um, she played it 14 different ways. <laughs> it had a different emotion and a different inflection cool. and a whole different meaning each time she played it. And I was like, oh, my God. Because if you gave those basic notes and melody rhythm to a guitar player, they'd just be dink, 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 dink. That's all it is. And that's all you've got. And that's all that's there. Because they're mm -hmm. not trained the way you guys are, the way right, horns right. and woodwinds and string sure. players are trained to play as a section and to be aware of articulation. And right, that right. was what always uh, made my ear confused by notating things because I was trying to notate every inflection and I was trying to notate everything ah. that made it Bob versus Sandy versus me, right, right. you know, and right, like, right. that's not important. All you need is the basic on and off you know? <laughs> and what pitch it is, you know, but right, Sandy right. was amazing. She said, sing it to me once. And I sang it mm -hmm. to her once and mm -hmm. she played it back exactly how I sang it because mm -hmm. she, her ear was used to hearing that detail and then sure. even though she was a violinist in the Boston Pops, she she just played back exactly what I needed without mm -hmm. any kind of argument or, well, I'm known sure. as a player or something sure, like sure. that. That's the gig. Yeah, you know, that was and, the gig. So. And, and sure. it was awesome. And it was just amazing for a songwriter to get exactly what they needed. You know, like me as the producer, me as the songwriter, I was so charmed by that and in awe of it mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. first of all as a sax player if i write something i already know this should be alto oh now nah, let's do this for tenor let's do this for soprano what happens here is 
well, saxophones. So bring them all. Uh, okay, I bring them all. And let's see if, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this. Let's try this. In other words, they, they wrote this melody without having any idea of how it should be sung on a saxophone. Right. No idea which saxophone is. And man, alto is alto, tenor is a completely different thing for us. So, you, you know, yeah. you go in and you play. And I, I never do any, but the first time I play it, I always just play with nothing, nothing else. I just play the notes so they mm. can hear what they wrote. Oh, wow. And then, and then I start to, you know, you start to, because that's the whole thing. I mean, look, you have the technique. So what? Let's see what the, what you do with the expression. Yes. So then you do it and they go, Hey, that's good. I like that. Yeah. I made it up basically. So, <laughs> so it sounds good. Uh, which brings me to, if you ever watch master classes, I've seen flute master classes, piano master classes. They're all about, not technique. It's all about expression because wow. the, the students they get, they're already great. They have the technique. That's why they're there. I mean, you're not going to get some world-class piano teacher and have somebody who's like, you know, can't play the instrument. You get people who have auditioned. Okay, I'm going to do this master class. Great. The mm -hmm. teacher comes in. The whole thing is about expression. You got the chops. That's not the problem. Over here, you should be thinking about it. And when I started to see a few of these, I thought, man, that's it's the whole thing. Uh, you know, the technique is the technique, but yeah. um, my favorite drummer. Oh, go oh, ahead. Great. No, no, favorite drummer. My favorite drummer is a guy who couldn't even do a role, but his time and his sound were so great. It was such, just a ball to play with a guy. You can't wow. do roles. Well, don't do a role then, whatever, you know. Yeah. Well, it's the same <laughs> with Ringo. Ringo couldn't, they say, couldn't you know, do or whatever. But, you know, it's not about any of that <laughs> no no uh, it's it's about playing what's needed in the moment and exactly, exactly. having enough musician skills to know what that is but it really has everything to do with your frame of reference doesn't it because if your whole background had nothing to do with popular music it might right. not be that you have anything that fits anything that i'm writing well in a way well, so that alto player that that played out you know it's yeah. like for him, this is my thing. So this is what I do. Okay. For me, what would you like? Okay. You want me to this way? Okay. This yeah. way? All right. This way. And, you know, there, there's some situations I've been in where the person who's asking me to do this thing, normally they're really nice because they understand <laughs> that I'm going to make this thing live. Once in a while, you, know, you, you do something and they go, nah, I don't like it. It's like, so I have to. <laughs> It takes a certain personality to, to, to be able to do that, too. I'm not patting myself. I'm, patting, you know, I'm just saying, if, yes. you get, if you're thin-skinned, then it's like, oh, man. Well, the problem is we artists, songwriter types, sometimes don't even know what we want. Exactly. And so we're expecting you to interpret it. You're going through 16 different backflips to try to please me. And right, I'm right. going, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And that's right. got to be very frustrating for everybody. You really you know, should sort of try to imagine something before you start casting people and bringing in the wrong people and then making them know. feel bad for not knowing what you want. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting. That's, that um, is an it, issue. That's, yeah. that's a, one of those wonderful uh, aspects of music that between the person who wrote the music, the person who's playing it. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful, it's really a, it's a great thing. I think, uh, I mean, well, that's you know. why I think it would be so great if it could just start 
on equal footing where there's mutual respect and admiration and just love and friendship and food, you know, like food <laughs> makes everything better. It's like, let's have a visit. Let's, let's right. eat together. Let's, let's right. hang out. Let's get all so our needs met. Let's feel comfortable because so a lot of times people think I've got two chances and I don't have the gig or, uh, you know, it's so much uh, pressure and then so sure, much sure. ego and fear and, sure, um, sure showing off and bravado and uh, walls of, of, you know, like I, I don't mess with me. And, you know, you it's it. like, you I'm not messing with you. You're already in. Yeah, yeah. What can we do to make this song really good? Like in your experience, what everything, sure. you know, with your musicianship, what can sure. you think of that would help make this, you know, a touchdown? Like, how do we put this over? Well, you know, yeah, that's the work. That's it, you know, and the, the um, my God, the ego thing. I mean, it, you know, it's such a, that's what, that's always the problem I had with jazz, I guess. It's, uh, it's mm. so easy to, to, hey, man, you know, yeah, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, I was reading, I read this book. It's called Leonardo on Painting. I read this quite a while ago, but um, uh, there's two. Can I mention two books? Please. Two books. One is that. The other one is um, Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. But that's a separate story. But they're both kind of the same thing. So mm -hmm. there's a there's a section where Leonardo is talking about. He's kind of he's kind of bugged because it's like there are th his contemporaries who are younger, and they're kind of yeah, you know. Hey, this is, look at this. This is cool, you know. And I guess he's pissed off. And he said, you know, <laughs> this is my interpretation of it anyway. He says, you know, these guys who are like, you know, they have this ego. They look, <laughs> you, you practiced, you, you studied, you did this thing for years, and you got good at it. You don't have the right to have an ego about it. And he says, it's like, as if when, it, it's like saying, hey, man. When I was born, you know, I was born with a left foot and a right foot. Ooh. Said, that's the kind of comparison he makes to it. It's like, you just, <laughs> oh, you should be good at it. You've been, you spent, you know, years. So <laughs> that's one thing. The Zen mind, beginner's mind has one sentence. It says, pride is extra. Ooh. And when I read that, I thought, and Zen might, it's a thin book, which it should be because it's Zen and it's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> it's cool, you know, you don't have to just, and that, that, uh, you know, because uh, pride and all that, sh it's like, pfft, it's not the, man, not the stuff. Know, no, I'm yeah. just playing. I'm just, you know, and that yet, you know. That brings up the, the, the fact that the musician has to be well-rounded enough or sensitive enough or tuned into whoever they're with enough to help bring out what that person wants. You know, it's like you're, yeah. you're actually being paid to interpret and, right. and help that person think through what they right. need, right? right? It's not about I mean, that, all your chops. It's about sure. interpretation skills and how do we make this the most musical thing we can. Sure. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the gig. And, uh, that's I've seen, I've seen people who don't have that attitude and it gets, it gets nasty, you know, and it's like, Oh, come on, man. It's like, you know, leave it at the door, you know, 
Right. Well, th- that was a, a thing I had heard when uh, the session for We Are the World happened. Quincy Jones had a giant sign oh. for everybody walking through the door and it said, leave your egos at the door. At the door. Sure, it, was, sure. it, was, it sounded commanding and, and mean. And uh, he has a bit of a hard streak anyway. But if it mm-hmm. was already like by invitation for each person, we already love you. You're great. Please right. come and have fun with us. That would have been a nicer way to say, you don't have to be a jerk right now. Yeah. <laughs> You're already in. You know, right. like right. you don't have to lord it over us or, or right. prove anything to us. You're not auditioning. It's not a test. And right. I think right. that's what happens with players, even when performance is that they always think it's a test. And it's like, no, I mean, most of these people, if they've come to your show, whether mm-hmm. they paid or not, they're wanting to be taken on a trip somewhere. Like, please entertain me and take me out of my own head and, sure, and sure. give me some kind of an experience tonight. It's not about let's see if you can cut it and right, right, right. tell me about how bad it was getting here and all that stuff. Right. It's like, don't complain right. to us. Just right. give us your best music. And all you have to do is I love this thing I'm playing. I love the music I'm playing. And here's why. Maybe I can tell you a little story to bring you into how I wrote it or why I picked this song tonight and mm-hmm. just play it with love. I mean, that's all you've got to do. And we make such a big to do about it. And it's so yeah. stressful because, of you know, you look at all these blank faces and you realize they just can't see because they're blinded by the stage lights or something. And you're taking your facial cues off these people who are like. <laughs> Big sour face. You know, I used to always look over people's heads and just smile at nobody, pretending somebody in the back liked me (laughs) so that I didn't look like I was mirroring the people that were in front if they were reviewing it or whatever was going on. I have to have you have to be an actor to get on stage. Exactly. Exactly. Tell me about this. What do you do? Mm. (laughs) Close my eyes and play. (laughs) That's about it. That's about yeah. it. But I, I did, uh, um, and it, it's also in, about performing in front of people, but I have only one solution for it. And that is if, if I'm truly concentrating and really, really concentrating, that solves the whole thing. That, that takes care of all of it. I don't, I mean, I'm just in the music and I don't, the rest of it, I don't care. It's, that's that, that's that, that's whatever. But, and I finally, it took, it took years, but um, I finally got to the point where I, I can do that. And I even sort of experimented with practicing doing that. I mean, you know, you practice by yourself. There's nothing. You just, you just play. But I kind of figured, well, mm. you can probably kind of image, you know, imagine the, you're in a situation like that. And so it's, it's concentration. And I know that's all I can tell my students because, you know, they get, we do the thing and then they have a test, you know, mm. test, which, which is so unnatural. You look, you're yeah. not going to be tested anywhere. You're going to go out and play. But um, I said, the only thing I found is total concentration. If, if it means you have to stare at the music, stare yeah. at the music. Focus. Um, sometimes well, I look away and that helps too. Oh, that's good. It, like the brain doesn't know the difference between something real or imagined. So, if you're freaking out, even at home, you can get nervous, you know, like exactly. 
I'll always decide what songs am I going to feel like singing and playing at this particular show. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'll work on them for a few weeks and just get them under my fingers again. Remember the lyrics, start memorizing the words. If there was a newer song that I hadn't ever performed before. And then eventually I start setting up with all my gear and all my pedals, if I'm needing those things. And I practice with the exact guitar, with the exact kind of clothes and the layers and the height of the strap. And I stand and put a microphone on and and actually practice the distance between the mic and everything. And If there's things I have to do in between, because like those Beatles shows were intense with remembering what sound you needed and four different sounds in each song. And they all had to be pre-programmed and all that stuff. But I would then start imagining being at the venue. And it's like, okay, we're playing in front of 7,000 people tonight. That Mm -hmm. is interesting. That's exciting. Or Mm -hmm. there's smoke coming out of my ears, even just thinking about it because I get so excited (laughs) or whatever. I have to learn how to play through that adrenaline. Sure, sure. And if I can imagine the adrenaline and imagine the excitement or who might be there reviewing us that might scare me a little bit, I can literally start shaking. I can freak out my own nervous system. My knees can start going. My hands can start shaking. And the beautiful thing about it is you practice the first three songs to make them bulletproof. That's what James Taylor always says. Uh Make your first three songs bulletproof so that no matter what's going on and no matter how much you're shaking, you know for sure you can get through these tunes. Mm -hmm. And that's a fabulous thing, you know, because since your adrenaline is raised, then you learn to practice even though your body is in a heightened state. Because usually Mm -hmm. when the brain gets all excited, it checks out, you know, like a a, a pinball machine. Tilt, uh, see you. This is a little too intense for me. I'll see you after the show. (laughs) Where are you going? I need you right now. (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah, but that's that's an interesting uh, thing about even um, anxiety and things that upset us. If you go back in the past or look forward to the future and just think of things that upset you, you're re-upsetting yourself constantly. And your brain, mm-hmm. oh, we're upset, we're upset, you know, right, and it, right. your nervous system reacts. So it's it's you're talking about focus and what you're thinking about is so important because it's all about focus. All, all of life is about focus. It's just crazy. Well, uh, you just get more and more of whatever you're focusing on. It's like everything else. I mean, once you start to be able to do that, you know, you get better and better at doing it. And um, if you're allowed to, if you keep doing it, if you keep have the opportunity to keep doing it and keep doing it, uh, that's what, ah, uh, finally, now I, I can do this thing. And you can actually kind of turn it on or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, are you playing mostly acoustic on stage or are you... Uh, using transducers and amplified or? Oh, it's all all acoustic. All you have to adjust to with each new place is this is how I sound in this venue right now. And the rehearsals sound different than the show because the body's absorbed. Oh, Oh, the the sound is such a, uh, that's the whole thing, man. It's like, can't hear my sound. All right. uh, We did the rehearsal. Can't make a sound if you can't hear yourself. Yeah. You know, I, and and at this point, if I play with you know live musicians or whatever, the yeah. the the volume of a typical thing is so far beyond anything. Hey man, I'm playing flute. You see this flute? Right. I can go this far, and that's it. I've done gigs where I'm and I can't stand playing flute into a microphone. I just cannot stand it because you know oh. you have a monitor, okay? Yeah. So I can't hear myself. Turn up the monitor. Well, what if the band plays softer? How is that for a concept? What? 
no, it's not going to happen. And so you just keep turning it up and turning. And so I go like this, and what comes out? <laughs> you can't do it. Yeah, I can't do it. Some guys, I'm some not guys, people can do it, I'm sure, because they're so yeah. used to it. Yeah. I'm so used to it, too. I cannot stand. I actually can't stand playing into microphones and using monitors and all that stuff. I'm used to it. The first gigs I ever did, I was already using microphones and monitors. But um, yeah, um, I've done gigs on flute where we're in the middle of a tune and I'm trying to play, and I just back away from the from the microphone. And sometimes I'll turn back to the drummer. <laughs> it's like, do you understand what, what this means? This means I can't hear myself. Maybe you could play a little song. I mean, you know, it's yeah. uh, for, for woodwind players, it's insane, I think. Wow. Uh, it's but the same again, for singers. <laughs> everybody's, yeah, I mean, you know, singers, man. I mean, you know, you. this is it. If you turn the voice, what happens when you turn the monitor up is you sing louder. You don't sing softer because you can hear yourself. This is my concept anyway. The yeah. whole thing is so, it's so huge that you've got to sing. You can't just go. Uh, oh, I can't. No, no. So that's mm -hmm. such a yeah. Again, if we get started on that, it goes on forever. But uh, um, yeah, it's a it does. And my, stage volume is just a crazy oh, thing. It's, it's totally you know. I don't like it. <laughs> it's it's nuts. So I'm like okay. And it's confusing, and, you know. Like I do, I don't usually like the sound of the room. You know, it's like when I uh, want to hear live music, I just want to hear the music. I don't want to sure, hear the room sure, sure. and I don't want to hear the people around me. Like one time right. I heard George Winston at the Boston Symphony and mm -hmm. uh, well, at Symphony Hall. And he was mm -hmm. in a smaller room, just an acoustic piano, not amplified. And you would uh -huh. think, oh, this is intimate. This is fantastic. But mm -hmm. even though I was in the fifth row, mm -hmm. the people were sneezing and coughing around me louder <laughs> than I could hear him play in his softer passages. Right. It was yeah. very annoying to be hearing sure. people sure. breathing louder than he was playing. It's like, oh, this isn't what I want either. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, and I, you know, I come from an acoustic, acoustic jazz, you know, with a microphone. Yeah. You know, make them, they have to, that's gone. I mean, you know, symphony orchestras and classical music, mm. I guess it's, it's acoustic. So people actually have to listen. Um, other than that, when you have the PA system, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, so yeah, dealing with all that. One thing I wanted to mention, cause this again is about nerves and all that stuff. Yeah. So for what I have been through with all this other stuff, I had, I was diagnosed about 15 years ago with dystonia. So it started in my thumbs and, you know, but I managed to deal with it and it's cool. The problem mm -hmm. is. The physical thing was dystonia, but what happens is you you get to the point where you can't control like you used to, so you lose that kind of control at least until you figure out what to do again, which is what I did. So that's one aspect. The real aspect, though, is it creates this panic, this anxiety, this fear, and yeah. What I wanted to mention how was how I dealt with that because. Um, that would probably be useful to somebody. Yeah, so what happened was I was, I had to figure out how to play all over again, how to hold the instruments and how to deal with all this stuff. So one day I was just watching TV and, and I saw this and I was afraid, man. I was afraid all the time, like 24, well, how, if I was awake, I thought this is, I'm over. It's over. I'm finished. What am I going to do? Yeah. And uh, 
So I was watching TV, and there was a story about this. Uh, I guess it's a kid's book. It's probably a, a not a coloring book, but a you know a picture book, and it was written for kids whose parents uh, were diagnosed with cancer, and to help the kids deal with this situation. And what it was was, what it was was, uh, <laughs> they had the in, in the in the book the the kid imagines the problem is the fear the fear the fear is you make it you know you make the fear hey being on a roller coaster is unbelievably scary that's real fear but right, right. you know all this other stuff you you create you make it and you can either this far or this far so if fear was an actual tangible thing you mm. could fight it you could try to you know so what they did was they had the kid imagine this fear as a character and usually like a bad, you know, some kind of a, uh, yeah, you know, with horns or whatever, you know, the whole thing. And so the kid would imagine fighting the character and, and beat it up and that whole thing. And I saw that and I, it just went, Boop. so I decided that, yeah, this thing with my hands is, oh man, it's, but, the fear of the thing and you know i almost had stage fright and pain. i mean i would literally you know you hear the stories i've got seven bars and i'm going <laughs> and the sweat is coming down i gotta play this note in six bars i gotta play it in five and mm -hmm. all of those things man and it was like but i managed to get through it okay and just barely so i decided wow. that well you know here, here's this fear thing i'm gonna make an image in my mind that's the fear so i made an image if you want to know what the image was, <laughs> it was a huge uh, iron, black iron SpongeBob. <laughs> nice. Huge, like as far as I could see. A big wall, basically. I, I say SpongeBob, that's where it came from. And what happened was I started to imagine kicking it, attacking it with knives, attacking it with bazookas, with tanks, with anything. Wow. And not, nothing worked. I was still, ah! and wow. one day, it's, I mean, literally, one day I was, and I noticed there was a little dent in the thing. And I know it's nuts, but from that day, mm. I started to more and more, you know, the thing would start to crumble a little bit. I'd kind of, you know, fire at it with a, a gun or whatever. And as that started to as it started to you know affect it my fear also started to diminish it worked it actually worked that's so, so cool that's it that's because i saw that thing on tv about that kids book that's so great you know? it's, yeah whatever makes the connection whatever helps you know but that goes back to the focus and like exactly focusing exactly. on the wrong thing right yeah man all i could focus on was uh, <laughs> Yeah. So dealing with the physical thing is one thing. Dealing with the mental thing is is the whole thing. For, that's what it became. So Yeah. Um, I think the mental thing is the whole thing on earth. It is. It is. Yeah. Well, it is. It is. You know, your attitude. Yeah. It's just your attitude. That's all. Yeah. Well, you have, you a, have a choice. You have a giant, uh, great sense of humor and stuff, too. So I know sometimes it in any particular situation, it might not be appropriate to be making jokes about stuff, but in your own head, I think it's good to keep ourselves sane. It's just be laughing because oh, you know. everything is made up. 
You know, life is just this gigantic game and it's completely made up. So it's like so much of it really doesn't matter that much. If you can, if you can like put some of these performance things, especially in perspective, I mean, not mm-hmm. like death, of course, those are pretty serious things, but, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, but you know, older people, older people understand that they, they've been through it and it's like, you know, all that stuff I was, it's really nothing. It's not that important. Yes. Older people will say, you that. know, they know, they know, they, you know, Sooner. there's no, there's not that enough time for nonsense anymore. It's just, um, I, yeah, so I heard this thing yesterday where there was like, there are things that are just are. So it's like, it is what it is. Whatever it is, is just a neutral thing. What you mm-hmm. think about it is the power you give it, whether you say it's positive or negative. And so your job as a focusing human being is to look at everything and try to find something good about it. If you have to be in a situation, what can you learn from it or what kind of fun thing can you enjoy while you're there or take home with it? Take in the good, attach it to something you've always wanted to learn because you, we're always teaching ourselves everything. No matter how good the teacher is, you still have to attach whatever they're saying to something you already understand. Otherwise, it's hard to move forward. And then the rest of it, you can't necessarily deem as negative or bad or anything else. You almost have to just let it go and let it be something that doesn't affect you. Like mm-hmm. you just have grace about it or you have forgiveness about it. Like just, it's not yours. You don't even have to worry about it. Just let go of the excess. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's in itself is a ton of work. <laughs> but it's, it's um, really healthy work. <laughs> connecting that to jazz. You know, Hal Crook. Yes. So he wrote a couple of books. Um, how to improvise. Really? That's one. There's yeah. another one called something like Ready Aim Play or something like that. Wow. And he has he talks about the zone. And um, it's a wonderful paragraph. It's just and basically, you know, how to, how talking about what it's like to be in the zone, how to get into the zone. And mm-hmm. and he says, you know, imagine, you know, when, when you play, when you're when you're improvising. There's all from the beginning. There's this whole thing of it's it's good or it's bad. It's good or bad. You're already from the people are judging it. You're judging it while you're playing. You're going that was good. Oh, that sucked. Oh, it was good. And he said, you know, they go together. <laughs> the good goes with it. You know, yin yang. It goes with it. Hmm. He said, if you can get to the place where look, it's not good. It's not bad. It's just it. And the way he he talks about it, it was it was ah just right on the thing man it's like yes. you don't have to worry about whether it was good whether it was bad just and he and he says something look i'm not talking, hey god thank you it came from you know, it, it, you know you don't have to go that far it's just that's what it is <laughs> and he's right especially you know because we teach jazz so right from the beginning that's a good note that's a bad note right from the beginning man there's that element of judging the whole thing and yeah and so it's like and i I use that to some extent, not even about uh, improvising, just about, because, I mean, it became such a thing. It's like, all right, I got to play this note in a few measures and I'm panicked, but wait, 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 wait. Mm. Doesn't matter whether it's good. Doesn't matter whether it's bad. It's not really my, that's what, it almost becomes religion, but a religious thing, but it's not really my thing. It's kind of coming through me. You know, that's like a a standard kind of a, a stereotypical 
I, I feel like the music is playing me. I'm not playing, you know, that kind of thing. It's, yeah. Which, which is okay. It's okay. Ego too, you know, it's like, yeah. yeah. Sometimes the, the, the more uh, humility somebody has, it feels false. You know? oh. It's like, you've worked at this forever. You should have some pride in it, but not to the point of making somebody else feel smaller. That's all. You, know? ah, you sure, want to stand sure. tall, but just don't, step on everybody else around you sure. you're like some people walk around like i'm the shit you know like <laughs> i know well that's you know and that's one of the biggest problems i've always had with jazz is that's that's such a fundamental it can be such a fundamental part of it at least it was boy for a long time i'm sure it's i absolutely it's much much better now but i mean you know it came out of such a crazy well, it had a lot of higher. Yeah. It was like jazz is the epitome of the best music, is what it's, and it's our happening. club, man. It's yeah, our and club. You're not in it, and, 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 and you're not in it, movie. man. And uh, man. everything else under it is watered oh, down. I used to hate, you know. Yeah. You know, like 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 your first year, you know, at Berkeley or second year, it's like all right, man. Or even my first year in New York, all right, play. Yeah. If you can play, you're in the club. You can be our friend. If you can't play forget it yeah hey some of my best friends can't play jazz at all <laughs> i don't i couldn't care less if they can play well or whatever yeah and that used to piss me off so much man that whole club thing and in yeah. japan same thing it's the same thing really? man. it's yeah, like humans are the same everywhere it's the same you know well that's why and, i think it and, comes back to really what do you love you know like when i met friends who loved jazz I would actually ask them, okay, tell me what you love about jazz, because all I was getting was the opposition and the you're not in it because you're a pop rock person and you're really not in it because you're a woman and you're really not in it. Because oh, you're good. And I just thought, wow. And, and then sure. even being told like guitar wasn't my instrument because I'm a woman. It was like, I really? knew my instrument because I had been playing it since I was nine years old. But Mike Jesus. Matheny was teaching there when I was a student. And he was telling okay. his female students, don't play trumpet because you don't have the right kind of lips. And I was like, oh, my God. And people were actually switching instruments, instruments that they had played since they were young kids, just because their college teacher told them. She they wanted you. Yeah. And I just thought, this yeah. is this is really awful. You know, it's really more about what you love and what you want to do with it. And sure. how can you help this person as a teacher? How can I help them move forward into more of what they're needing and get them through their requirements? That's For all. Sure. It's not about my For opinions sure. of what they do or don't do or what they should be doing other than if they're asking for help because you can see this finger doesn't work and that hand right, is out of right. coordination with this hand. Right. I mean, for sure, guitar players, sure. it's like the left hand always gets, not the left hand, but the fretting hand always gets ahead of their picking hand. And okay. if they can't skip strings with a pick or can't alter sure, sure. fingers, they really can't play the instrument well. Sure, sure. You have to work on some physical aspects of it, you know? Sure, sure, but, sure. but the whole mind game thing, wow. It's, well, it's a, you know, a different college now, you oh, know? Sure, sure. All the harassment stuff and the Me Too movement and everything has just swept through everywhere. Oh, man. Everything. It's, you know. It's um, good in a way. Well, over the last... 30 to 40 years, certainly 30 years ago, there were no women. I mean, there were, there were reed players or brass players, almost none. And, and well, from the, from the viewpoint of somebody who's 
been involved with jazz. It went from a zero woman thing to now, oh yeah, okay, come on. Yeah, chicks can't play, what's that? I mean, I, I saw all that shit for all those years. Can I swear, by the way? I'm sorry. Oh, sure, why not? Good. Um, and I sat there and watched that for years. And, and, and being in Japan, you know, Japan is like, in terms of that stuff, it's, there's so many brass players who are women now uh, in Japan. It's great. And there's beautiful players. And it's all changed over the last 30 or 40 years. But, mm. but the role of women in Japan for me, if I was a woman, I probably wouldn't be able to stay here that long. I don't think I, don't think I could take it because wow. it's so far behind. I mean, Still. the government thing, the, oh, God, business, yeah. you know, it's, it's still way, it's... What about all um, the, the smoke? Everybody's smoking. Isn't there... That's way smoke? better. Way, way, way better. And when yeah. you first got there? Oh, God, yeah. When I first got here, people used to smoke in the studios, which oh, yeah. is probably what they used to do in, in, in the States, too, I suppose. They used to smoke in the halls at Berkeley and in the classrooms when we were students. I used to pick teachers who didn't smoke specifically. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in terms of that one little slice of it, the, okay, the jazz perspective. Um, but it's like, um, I don't know how to say this without it sounding completely. Wow. Uh, okay, this is, what I, this is what I tell people here. I don't like guys. <laughs> In fact, this is, this is, I have a running joke here. I've had it for actually even in the States. You ready? I am the world's only male lesbian. <laughs> what? What? Well, look, I'm a male. Last time I checked, I'm a guy. I like women. I don't like guys. Okay. <laughs> I'm the world's only male lesbian. <laughs> anyway, stupidity, but I mean. No, but that's probably what makes you such a great musician, you know? Is that you have this sensitivity and a, a ability to perceive what's going on everywhere and know this isn't cool. So you probably have stood up for a lot of women over the years, which, you know. They, they weren't there. Question. That's Thank the you. whole problem. There weren't, oh. there weren't any women there. They wouldn't even let them in. I mean, it's like, you know, and wow. I can't imagine what women have gone through just to get to the point where they can hold their own, play in a jazz group, mm -hmm. and finally well, it's the same if it's a woman in the studio or if it's a woman in a band. Exactly, or exactly. I was the only woman in the guitar department for six years. They had never had a woman in the guitar department for a while. And it was a boys club. My really? God, it must have been unbelievable. Yeah. And, and the conversation. You know, Margie, oh, yeah, sorry. it was just, it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, you know, that took a serious amount of will courage whatever you want to call it but jokes good for you but yeah i mean there was lots of reasons to be she doesn't count in any way oh. form but it was like i knew i was good i i liked what i liked and i was gonna sure. do what i did sure. and i'm still there yeah i knew i mean when we started teaching i you know i saw oh yeah, yeah. i mean i i think i wrote to you in the mail when i was a student there in the, in the early 70s, there were, there were like five women, I think, maybe three, three to five yeah. women. It just wasn't a thing. I mean, you know, to no. go in, I mean, it took some, you really want you, you really want to have to do that, to go in the middle of that situation and deal with all of them. Wow, right. man. Well, I remember, and it's not, yeah, part of the uh, uh, get the word out was 
it's a safer place to be now, like to tell women it's safe to come to Berkeley now. <laughs> that was part of the marketing at, at a certain point when I was a new teacher, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and that's just, that's just okay, jazz, music, but I mean, it's hmm. with, with what's going on in the world, with the violence against women, and not to mention the hatred against anybody who's not, shall I say, a white guy. I mean, it's like, it's it's crazy, and it's and a world war going on all over the, the world, man. It's anyway. I'm sorry, it's I didn't really want to get that, it which is about. unfortunate. Yeah, it keeps. Uh, do you remember anything about the song or about what you were going to play or the experience of the us working together? I I remember, like I said, being at your place, and uh, it definitely was fun. I don't remember. It was a condo. I said, yeah, I love what. Yeah, you yeah, thought it was super cool. What, what, so did I play on one or two or how? One. Yeah, it was a song called What's Sad, Sad Stranger. It closed the CD. It was my first album. Okay. I'll among check it out. I'll check it out. Among the Ruins, I mean, that, Too True. Among the Ruins, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And I... The Blast. Um, that was when I was first starting to, I suppose, do some studio type stuff. And Freelance. I was just hungry to do anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In, in fact, there were a couple of guys from Harvard who had a little studio down on um, Newbury Street. And that was my first real experience with studios. And it was, it was so funny because it was what we were talking about. It was the classic. I mean, there were commercials, you know, and the clients would come in and they had no idea. Okay, do something. Do something. All right. So I would do something. That was good over there. Can you do that again? I don't know. I don't know what I just did. I mean, it taught me everything about studio work at the, at the lowest level. It was so funny. Oh, it was wow. so fun. Try that again. Can you do that? Can you do that? Try it. Like I don't even know what I played, man. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, because they were, it wasn't the music for them. It's not music. It was something that was supposed to function to maybe go and make somebody like the product, you know. Oh, that's what it was. But, was you know, those those gigs were not. It wasn't music. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Ah, oh. had nothing to do with music. It was just <laughs> don't get in the way, but do something that's kind of neat. The clarinet player I fell in love with was the was this guy named Harold Wright, who was the principal clarinetist with the BSO from about actually it would have been the early seventies to a ninety two. He he died in ninety. He was still around seventy. He was pretty young. Um, and and I and I went to see him a few times. I had didn't know anything about classical music or clarinet or anything, but mm. I heard this sound, and it was like the woodwinds all would go would kind of collect around his sound, mm. and that became the model for me. And every time I hear his sound, I get goosebumps. Wow! And when I play anything, as soon as I I told my students, you know, about jazz. My improvising doesn't actually come from what I know. It comes from the first sound I make, and then it goes from there. And that's because that's what it is for me. It's first of all, it's the sound. So if mm. I play a nice sound on flute, oh, man, saxophone, yeah, clarinet, it's, it's, it's not love. It's addiction. It's addiction. <laughs> because well, I know. Fascination in the love. Absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah. When, I, when I listen to Harold Wright, the way I feel must be 
when a junkie feels. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, well, it gets the uh, serotonin going. That's exactly what right, we're right, at. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I don't care what music, I don't care about the gig, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You know, it's it's all one thing for me. It's just. That's great. Because you, you alluded know. to that before. I mean, there's the physical stuff that we were talking about. There's the ability, mm-hmm. there's the notes, there's the rhythms, there's everything there is to learn. But it's right. when it turns into magic. It's when it turns into right, right. freedom, when it turns into right. self-expression, when it's actually right. been sung through the horn, sung through the flute, sung through the guitar. There's a there's a place where it just goes off onto its own thing and it's got sure. its own sure. heartbeat and its own breath. Sure. It's like, what is that? That's the right. magic side of music that we all aspire to. And if you can just be at your highest level and not full of your own hangups, you can actually express that. You know, and then that's what other people feel. Like Pat Metheny puts himself in the audience. He plays to himself. He's trying to impress himself. Sure. Sure. So, like, that's got the trick question where they say, Who's your favorite player? And then people go, Oh, no, you should say it's yourself. You know, but for me on guitar, it is myself. You know, I love George Harrison's touch. I love uh, James Taylor's touch, but I love what James Taylor did for me. You know, I love what they're playing did for my. Sure. James Taylor, you know, uh, You know the song? Oh, God, James. Frozen Man? Yeah. You like that one? Woo! Goosebumps. Just talking about it. Goosebumps. I love, there's so much, I mean, my God. I love all that stuff. All of it. Unfortunately, James Taylor isn't really much known here because lyrics. I mean, if you don't understand the lyrics, yeah, the music is unbelievably beautiful, but the lyrics are such a big part of it. Really, because I thought a lot of people in all kinds of countries learned English listening to the Beatles. So they were listening to lyrics. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were huge here. Uh, Queen, as, as it turned out, the first country that, lo- that fell in love with Queen was Japan. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that until fairly, very, fairly recently. They came here and did a tour and absolutely went mental for them. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What do you think? uh, Was there any reason, a detailed? um... I suppose you could say that they were so far on the other side from where the typical Japanese person was that they just, wow, this is incredible. You know, I mean, and I suppose in the same way the Beatles were too. I mean, his American kids go, what is it? Oh, with the hairstyle and all thing, and Queen was even much, much further out than that. Right. So, um, I don't know. It's one of those. Some things get across right away. Some things don't sell at all. And so, James Taylor, man, I would love to meet. Well, I mean, everybody. It, this is me. I'd love to meet James Taylor and just say, "Yeah, man, thank you." From the beginning, from Mudslide Slim, all, pfft, oh, all yeah. of it, man. I've oh. met him probably six or seven times. Each time he really? thinks it's the first time, but okay. <laughs> he asks me questions every time he sees me. When he realizes mm-hmm. I'm a professor, he goes, hey, what should I do on my website? And what kind of uh, tips yeah. should I give them this time? And all this stuff. Okay. And I give him ideas. And That's uh, funny. The, the fun tip was he showed us how to do his nail wraps. because he. I saw that. His own picks. Yeah, that was because yeah, I, I asked him to do it. <laughs> That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, it's really cool. He's got, you know, the three layers and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's awesome. And he says that it doesn't ever wear off. He loves hearing and it matters to him to hear from folks that his music means something to them. So every time I see him, I'm like, because I heard of him when I was 14 and he only had three albums out. And I bought all three albums at once. Once I heard the first song I ever heard was Mudslide Slim. And it just blew my mind. I was like, who is this? I bought all the albums and then I bought every studio album since. And it was like, Mm -hmm. never lets you down because he's just the epitome of fantastic. He has so much, uh, you know, Walking Man, wa- yeah. Walking Man for me was like, oh, now we're going. This, this is Fire and Rain. That's the same guy. Oh, I could oh. talk for hours about that too. And and uh, shower the people, and uh, then he started getting funky. And uh, I mean, he yeah. has uh, all of it, man, all of it. So you know that one love songs on the Gorilla album that starts with a clarinet, big clarinet. Oh wow, wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's do something like that. Hey, anything you want, you're not ready. I know. I've always wanted That's to do a song funny. like that because of that song. That's a good one. I'm I'm glad you're into recording parts now. Oh, we- absolutely. Anything. I mean, awesome. Jesus. You know. I told. I I have a friend from England who I've actually never met. We've never skyped, but I met him somehow to the internet, and I've done a couple of things. That's uh, cool. Just crappy you know at mp3 send it to him and he sticks it in there uh with garage band you know yeah. so it's cool. it's cool well yeah if you uh render it and bounce it out as a wave file it'll be a little higher okay. quality and then i can put it yeah. right in an actual record yeah i mean send me something then i'll do you ever do like three or four parts of yourself that i haven't done actually if you were the whole um, sax section on a song of mine or if you were a flute section Flute, flute section would be possible. Sax section, because I live in this country called Japan, if I played saxophone that much, I'd probably get some complaints from the neighbors. Oh. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, yeah. this, is my, this is my wall of shame over here. <laughs> I mean, it's just a little rabbit hutch apartment, and it's cool. I don't, I don't need anything, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah. the walls are thin. and So uh-huh. I practice flute a lot here, but not so is there a practice room you go for sex? No, I don't practice saxophone. You just go outside? I practiced saxophone from 1975 to about 1979, about five hours a day, because I was at Boston University School of Music studying classical saxophone. What? Because when I graduated from Berkeley, I just was like, nah, I'm not quite ready. What should I do? I'll go study technique the classical thing so i went to bu wow. which was one of the best things i ever did and so i practiced and when i was at berkeley i i never practiced much i didn't practice on the weekends i just oh. so for about three years i practiced about five four or five hours a day and from that time i haven't much practiced the saxophone <laughs> no that's fine my, i tell my i tell everybody here the saxophone is so easy even a dog can play it <laughs> that's my standard phrase here. it is it's so easy it's silly that's why everybody and his mother plays it man there's a million sax players out there they're all over youtube and oh man there's so many horrible ones oh yeah it's like easy dime a dozen <laughs> oh my god but on saxophone as soon as you boot at least guitar you might have a shot of getting out a few chords or a note saxophone oh jeez. 
I know. The tone is usually absolutely awful. In fact, it's awful. Time, I don't like the sound of an alto sax. Unless oh, it's I don't either. <laughs> Damn, well, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. look, it went from nobody doing it to everybody, everybody doing it. And one of the reasons is because it's so simple. Really? It's, such, it's just a recorder with keys. You know, it's the same. It's nothing. It looks, <laughs> it looks really complicated, but... Huh. Adolf Sachs put the keys on it to make it simple. It was for a marching band kind of a thing, you know. Okay. So it's so simple. I mean, my God. <laughs> you can I learn it in like 30 minutes. I like the sound minutes. of the, 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 the keys just flapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. That's a cool sound. <laughs> it's, it's simple. That's the big secret about it. The only thing that's difficult about the saxophone is getting a nice sound. That's all. And the, and the, and the pitch. The actual thing itself is so, that's the big secret that all sax players know. Now, you all know it now. It's simple. <laughs> well, that it's explains so why simple. there's so many bad sounding alto sax players. Oh my God. That's my the key God. to playing it well. Well, it could be the same with guitar in a sense then. Getting a really good sound is, is key. And what's good, that's all up for interpretation. Too. Sure, sure, sure. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's exploded, man. It's uh, well, so, I mean, it's it's no, it's Clinton. gone the way it should go. It was going to go that way. So, <laughs> and when it and during the sixties and fifties, there were always there was always a sax solo. You know, yeah, it used to be tenor solos. Then it's yeah, uh, even on on Motown and all those man, on so right. many sax solos, and I listened to them. They were great, Junior right. Walker and all those people. And yeah. then Sanborn came along, and then it changed over to alto. Or, and so, you know, the pop thing and smooth jazz and all that. So, you know, this, this, of course, it went that way because that's the way it was going to go. I mean, you know, <laughs> talking about, you like to say, that's like, that's what it is. I mean, hmm. that's the way it was going to go. What do you mean? <laughs> Gee, I can't remember. Why did it go that way? Why did it go that Because that's the way it was going to go. <laughs> Gee, really? Yeah, I mean, come on. Well, so, what would you say takes the most creativity in all the things that you do? Because I think every human has all these creative chops and abilities and what are we all using it for? Like even in our daily life, whether we're cooking or setting up the place where you live or, you know, it takes creativity to do everything. Um, the create, if you ask me what my goal is, my goal is to play flute and to make somebody cry. That's basically it. <laughs> the sax I love, it's my thing, but Flute for me is the whole thing, really. And uh, to try to get a beautiful sound now, after all these years, I finally, for the first time in my life, starting to think, ah, I'm getting closer because I never studied classical flute. You know, most dumbness don't. Well, maybe they do now. I don't know. Mm. Uh, anyway, creativity. Uh, it's it's not. It's just my job. <clears throat> trying to reach somebody, trying to connect with what you're playing. Well. Again, this is another, this is going to sound, I, I've been trying to explain this for years, but I don't feel like a musician. I don't feel like a doubler. Um, it, it finally came to me that I don't, that's not negative. I'm not saying, yeah, I don't feel like it. Yeah, I suck. It's nothing like that. I, I'm a guy who likes to make different sounds on different instruments, and I happen to like this thing called music. And I like jazz and I like, I love jazz. I love classic music. I love um, acoustic guitars, bluegrass. I love as much as 
different music as I as I as I hear. Um, but I don't think of myself as a musician, and I don't know really how to explain that. Um, if I see a if I see somebody who I admire, a double or a sax player, I go, "Wow, that guy's!" I think that's a musician. He's great. If I see a picture of myself playing, I think, "Oh, that looks like one of those guys who <laughs> plays an instrument." <laughs> I, I actually don't. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to explain it. I don't. You're in it. You can't really see it. Outside. I guess is what it is. You know, it's it's just what I do. I mean, I, I you know. You know, the classic stereotype, you know, they'll interview somebody like maybe the um, Donald Fagan and they'll say, man, Steely Dan was so great. And he'll come back with Steely Dan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, and the critics are like, like, what are you talking about? It was the time. Yeah, man, I did that 20 years ago. I mean, I've gone on from then, you know, I, I, it kind of feels slightly like that. But yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's just what I do. I don't. I don't need to take credit for it. I don't need to have an ego or pride about it. I <laughs> I do it for myself, really, in the end, although I would like to make somebody cry. That would be nice. That would probably be a nice, yeah. oh, man, man, your flute is so beautiful. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's how I feel when I listen to Howard Wright. I mean, I feel like crying. It was like, and nobody else sounds like that. And his his kindness, his kindness is what comes through for me more than anything. How do you spell his last name? Right, W-R-I-G-H-T. All right. Um, Harold, Harold, right. He, if you listen to him and you listen to other people, he, he just had a very special thing inside, in the center of his sound and mm. the way he played that nobody else, nobody else has for me. That's got that's be a specific fun. that's a specific classic clarinet thing, you know. Yeah. Any, got... Anybody who knows Harold Red, oh yeah, oh, Harold, yo, yeah. special, <laughs> special guy. Love or magic in there. And they, I heard an interview with him once, and his 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 thing was he he comes in from nowhere, and he he starts a note, and so that's one of his specialties, right? So the interviewer says, you know. You know, it's so beautiful the way you come out of nowhere and you play that. <laughs> he says, oh, well, actually, that's that's really easy to do on the clarinet. <laughs> He's always fading. <laughs> oh, well, really? that sounds a lot like intent, intention. What, what do you think his intention is? What is your intention after loving what he does? What are you thinking about when you go to play the clarinet like he plays it? I'm not... I, it goes, it, it's connected to the concentration thing. Yeah, of making a sound. The, con the concentration thing is about singing in my mind when I'm playing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And when I'm singing, whether, whether I'm improvising or playing this, this uh, line, this melody, whatever, that's 100% concentration. When I'm not singing, I'm not concentrating enough. That, and I finally realized that. That's what it is. Well, they try to tell that to guitar players too. It's like hear something in your head first and go find it. Don't sure, sure. Let your fingers wander through everything they know because all they know are all the scales they've practiced. Well, exactly. All exactly. the licks, and that's why exactly. Mick Goodrick said, "Well, you're just playing your beef stew now. You're not singing something and hearing something to create a new something with all that stuff." You know? Mick, he died uh, what last year or last couple of years? Uh, Mick Goodrick. Yeah, maybe even just a couple of months ago. Yeah. 
Harry Mudd. I did two gigs with him. Wow. Me, him, and a bass player up in New Hampshire, this woman bass player. I got the gig because I could drive. <laughs> <laughs> I had but a car. Speak, well, did you, did you have to go pick of, him up? Because I he picked him up. We went up to the gig. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He didn't have a car. Speaking of humor, man, he loved jokes. Absolutely loved jokes. Yeah, Mick. You know, the first time I saw him play was with probably with Gary's band way, way back. And he had a wah-wah pedal. Oh, wow. And But he didn't go waka 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 he said, oh, he said it here, oh, and he played like that. And I thought, that is so hip, man. Yeah. Nobody else ever thought about that. Wah, wah, pedal, waka, 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 waka. No, <laughs> he used it as a sound, profound like this. Get a different tone. I, That's cool. I totally remember that. And that was way back, probably, maybe when I was still a student in the, in the wow. early 70s, somewhere in that. You yeah, know, just to, to, to think that way. Go ahead. That's fun. Uh, Jesse Ed Davis played the slide guitar part on the beginning of John Lennon's song. That, and I realized when I had to imitate that for the uh, Afterfab band I was in, it was... I went, oh my God, it's a slide with a wah-wah. Wah-wah pedal. Never thought about that when the song came out. See? You see that? Slide, and I had a wah-wah in those days. When I had to reproduce it, it was like, what's doing that? Oh my God. It's an envelope filter. He must have used a wah-wah, you know? Wow. Yeah. Speaking of that, uh, the Allman Brothers live at the Fillmore East or West? What is it? Right. Dwayne Allman, Dwayne Allman, when Bricker came to Berkeley and did a master class, he was talking, they asked him about his influences. And he said, you know, I got a lot of things from listening to guitar. And I thought, yeah, I know, I know, because he He's copied, he had his right yeah. guitar. Yeah. So Dwayne, man, I love Dwayne's playing. Did you? Oh, oh, Christ. I listened to that album so much, man. And uh, Idlewild Self, I think, was there single album yeah yeah guitar there's so much to learn for a sax player from listening to guitar wow Uh, and they tell the guitar players to listen to the horn players well that's (laughs) it you know i listen to sinatra sinatra listen to john it's all it's just all the same thing they they tell classical right they tell classical flute players to listen to violins because that's you know that's that's what it is and oh yeah yeah that's cool Mm. that's cool so Super. So, so what do you love about teaching, or, or do you still teach? Are you in a college? Um, I just private because I turned. Well, I, I was teaching for the last twenty five years out of college, but yeah. because I turned seventy, they said bye bye, which is so silly because I'm I'm at the peak, man. I play the best I've ever played. I love teaching. I've got a life of experience. You're finished. So, um, I love teaching. I just it's just a natural. Do you give private lessons online now? I haven't. Uh, I don't know if I will. Again, that's I'd have to find a place to do it. So. Oh, oh right, right. I, I want to. I And this is another thing. And again, it's not ego. I'm the only guy in this country who, with my education, with my experience, with the classical thing, with all of that, to give to, to Japanese sax players. <laughs> I, I sincerely would love to, to keep on teaching and... Because it's, again, that's, 
about 30 or 40 years behind in a lot of ways too. But uh, Yeah. Well, I'm sure you, you could. You just need to find a space, like you say, to make some. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Yeah. Can I, can I say something to sax teachers out there? Any yeah. sax teachers? Any sax I'll tell you something. I've, I've watched, you know, there's a million vid, uh, videos on YouTube about people teaching how to do this and how to do that. There's so much bullshit, it's unbelievable. And I'll tell you specifically, this goes to the sax player. See, now I've already got, I'm gonna offend more people and I'm gonna get so much bad stuff, but it doesn't matter, I'm in Japan, they can't touch me. Anyway, so <laughs> vibrato, vibrato on the saxophone. Yeah. This is how they teach vibrato, they go like, okay, you go like this. There endeth the lesson, pay me. Not one of them says anything about how you use your air when you use vibrato. Not one of them says anything about the fact that your tongue is moving inside your mouth when you do vibrato. They just go, ah, wah, 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 and that's it. <laughs> that, pisses, that pisses me. So here's all these people watching all these videos, and you look at the comments, and it says, thank you, you changed my life. Now I know how to do vibrato. No, you don't know how to do vibrato, and it's never <laughs> going to sound good. So that's part of the age that we're in, you know. Yeah. These people look at the internet and they, yeah, I learned how to play the saxophone. No, you didn't, actually. Not by my standards. No. And by the way, growing up in Boston, you know, you said something like, you know, you're a product of what of where you came from and what you listened to and the standards of music in Boston. I mean, my God, the BSO, Berkeley, you know, the whole mm -hmm. thing was so high. Yeah. And one more thing connected to that. Sorry, I'm just... I don't know how much longer I can go, but uh, Barbara Streisand, people, people, yeah. Barbara Streisand. So here I am, I don't know, probably about 10, 11 years old. And I hear that. My father was in love with, he used to cry when he heard Barbara. So I hear this and it's like, oh, unbelievable. It still is. I could cry, I cry when I hear it. Still is. Okay. That's the way people sing, right? <laughs> Wrong. Nobody sings like that. Nobody can sing like that even now. That's it. Have you ever heard another version of people? No. Gee, I wonder why. Why? Because who's going to touch it? It's, it's, it's God. I mean, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> so, so that was my standard. All of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, those were my standards. And Ella Fitzgerald and live on TV and, and all of these people, man. And so that's what's in here. And so yeah. when you ask me about playing, all of that, of course, is a part of it. Even before I could play, that was a part of it. I didn't even know where I was, what I was going towards, but that's what it was. More than jazz, more than the saxophone, it yeah. was this excellence. Yes. And when I was a student at Berkeley, man, excellence was what it was about. The whole thing was excellence. I and know. what do I miss? Excellence. Me too. I miss I that. Know. There's been so much watering down and allowing anything and allowing anybody to do anything, and it's wow. good enough. And it's like, it's what it is? Good enough for jazz, good enough for rock and roll, and it's not. It's not excellent. It's, well, and and Lauren, that's where we are. <laughs> that's where we are. By the way, about your name, I figured out. I figured about your name. Now I'm just going to take a wild guess. Okay. Now, okay. if I offend you, forgive me. What I think now, I have a vision. What I think is your parents, they loved the Lawrence Welk show. So when you were born, <laughs> they thought, if it's a boy, Lawrence, ah, it's a girl, uh, Lauren. So that's <laughs> what it is, right? Am I wrong? 
<laughs> you know, my mom's uh, stepmom was named Loretta. So she was trying to throw her a little bone <laughs> that it was in the family of that name, you know, like Laura. So Lawrence Welk doesn't even enter in. <laughs> I don't think so. I remember the show. I'm sure they watched it. Uh, more, I remember watching the Ed Sullivan show every Sunday night. Sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. th that was our teacher, man. I mean, Jesus, I every week live. Yes. God damn, we were so lucky to see that. I know. So. Unbelievable. Yeah. I got to play again with Sammy Davis Jr. and Ray Charles. And man. Oh, wow. It was like. <sighs> Whoa. What are you going to say? It was great. It was great. And Ray played alto sax. You know, the, I saw a video recently of him playing. He sounds like Cannonball. Ray Charles playing alto. Ray side. Charles playing alto. Yeah. Wow. If you if you search, you'll probably find it somewhere. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even know. And we're playing, and all of a sudden, I see an alto sax next to him, <laughs> and his assistant, you know, leads him over, and he starts playing. It's like cannonball. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now tell us about that. How did that happen? And when I was when I was teaching at Berkeley. These gigs, these Motown gigs, and these gigs that used to come in, we used to do, they'd hire the guys from Berkeley. Some of those, the four tops and people like that, man. I, I used to do some gigs with Garzon. We were doing like the four tops and stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a ball. It was an absolute ball. Were they full tours or just a gig here or there? Just when, they, you know, they come to Boston, they, they use whoever the local players are. But yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. where did you play? Um, could have been actually the uh, the mass app. What's what's the uh, what's the? I forgot the, the name of it already. Berkeley Performance, performance Center. It's yeah. possible something like that, or some big venue like that. But Symphony Hall. The, something. I said wasn't Symphony, but uh. What, so it's just a horn section, right? Yeah. The, the the rehearsal is a guy with a cowbell. Their their music director, <laughs> a guy with a cowbell. That's it, and going through each chart because. The charts start and it, goes, and, and it goes to the end. And so that's what the rehearsal was. And we had our tuxedos on. So the curtain's down, and I'll never forget it. And so we start, you know, the bass line from one of the songs. Yeah. And the curtain starts to go up. And I hear people are screaming. And, and I'm like freaked out because I don't know what it is. What's what? We're playing the four tops and What's the curtain's wrong? going up and it's their scream voice. <laughs> but for a moment, I was like scared because I thought, what, fire? What's going on? <laughs> I forgot we were playing with the four tops or whatever. Anyway, so that was cool. So, and That's Sammy awesome. Davis and, man, oof. <laughs> wow. Wow. They were great. They were great gigs. Great gigs. That's cool. And did you guys get to talk or say anything to each other or was just... No, but but he was... Sammy was like really nice to the band, and I had heard that in the older days he wasn't so nice to the band. But oh. and he had had a, actually a hip replaced, I think. And uh, but he did he did this thing where he he did trading fours or trade trading eights with the drummer, you know, tap dancing. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh God, it was it was silly. It was silly. He was phenomenal. So, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's so, so cool. That so, was fun. That was fun. Yeah, you probably have tons of people that you've played with. Tell us some more. Played with Mel Torme. That was a trip. Wow. Mel, actually, he did his own arrangements, which they were great arrangements. I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah, Except I think he was a good... Earlier on, there a lot of 
artists were actually musicians and not just a face. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Who else did you play with? Oh, God, you know, the, the people who were around, like Andy Williams, you know, all those old singers, but, you know. Yeah. Um, I have played with Manhattan Transfer, too. That was actually a ball. Wow. Although they were arguing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> they were already, you know, burnt out on it. So. Yeah. But it was, they were great, man. Oh, God. What the kind of recording world. sessions have you done? And do you remember any players you played with? Or do you wear headphones? Do you, how do you set yourself up in the studio? Oh, I, you know, I, uh, I hate playing into microphones. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, the, the probably the the most fun was uh, I did some sessions in New York, and that was a trip. That was because I I knew the guy who was the writer or the arranger, and they brought in people like uh, Randy Brecker and all these huge. You know, I was like sitting there playing. You know, mm. at the beginning when I moved there. So, who was the uh, arranger? Was it Richard Niles? No, it was absolutely that nobody knows. Actually, one of the guys was uh, Bob Mincer. It was one of his arrangements too. But again, it was like stuff for TV and that kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. So I I was in New York for four years, and after that, it was like, nah, I don't think I can do this. And they kept saying, well, you know, if you hang in for ten years, you. I said, ten years, man, nah. So I moved back to Boston and started teaching there with you in '84. Yeah. So, but it was, you know, before you know, it's like, man, you got to go to New York. But man, there's so many great players there. It's scary. Yeah, so I went there, and you know what I found out? Yeah, there's a lot of great players, and there's a lot of crummy players, too. <laughs> so, you know, it was cool. It was, um, it was one of those things where, you know, you're scared, so you don't do it. So I did it, and so they say, what's the, what's the line? It's better to have yeah. It's better to have done it and failed than never to have tried at all, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's huge, too. People don't realize uh, how many things you need to try and do. And like you were saying, if it's meant to be, it seems like it just flows. Uh, whereas other things just seem to fall flat. But you usually do 200 things that fall flat and three things that actually work. And people don't realize that. They don't have any tenacity or stick to these days to say, yeah. you know, this is how you try. Like Babe Ruth had the most home runs, but they don't realize that he had the record for the most strikeouts as well. Ah, yeah. Good one. Good. Yeah. yeah. I know, you know, people. How about uh, Tim Donahue? Did you know him? No, I don't think so. Guitar player. He also builds harp guitars. He's in Japan, no. but he fell well, in love and moved to Japan after he graduated from okay, Berkeley. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I thought maybe that happened to you. You'd like, got to follow. Well, I, uh, my, I met my wife while I was teaching at Berkeley. She was in one of my classes. And after she graduated, we started seeing each other. And after, she, after teaching me for seven years, I had a, a year sabbatical. So I came here, checked it out, got an offer and moved back through everything out and came back here. I moved here when I was 39, which means that's how I was unhappy, how unhappy I was with the situation that I was in. I mean, I threw everything out and came here from zero, but, uh, and again, that sounds like an ego thing. It's not at all. It's just what it is. Hmm. So, and it, it's been good. I, every day, pretty much, I'm, I'm so glad I came here. It's, it's worked out wonderfully. That's so great. Super. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things where I had the advantage of not knowing, I suppose it was the same thing with like everything, going to New York. I, I, I didn't know 
I didn't know the negative aspect. I mean, oh God, it's going to be, you don't speak Japanese. You don't know anybody. Yeah, I don't. So, but on the other hand, I don't have that wall either. I was, I was so naive. I didn't have a wall up. So I just kind of went and it was cool. And so now you've learned a lot of uh, Japanese probably. Konnichiwa. I can speak. Sure. Konnichiwa. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, yeah. It's, it's been good. I, I heard when I first came over that. What? You tuned into the music of it and learned the language. Sure. Cause it is, it's about the rhythm oh, yeah. of it, the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's I what, the, what the, keeps us from understanding a lot of people who are trying to speak English is their syllables are broken up in different places and we don't know the rhythm and it's hard to right, follow. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You so say something about the sound of the language or. Um, no, actually I was going to say when I first came over, I heard that, Japan is roughly the size of California. Wow. And the population is about 150 million. Yeah. So it's, you know. People on top of it. And so it's it's, uh, pretty packed, but it's cool. That's awesome. It's cool mostly. Yeah, it's been been good. I mean, it's not for everybody. It's not heaven. What What I found was you trade one country's nonsense for another country's nonsense yeah. and whichever nonsense you can deal with is the one you go with. And for me, the nonsense here is like, it's cute. You know, it's cute. There's, there's no army. We're not killing people. Excuse me. It's cool. Oh, that's good. So, yeah. 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 A lot so, less of that. Cool. What didn't so, we talk about? In, in terms of what I do, I, I made a CD about 22 years ago. That's the only, my own CD. And that was a ball because I wrote songs for myself, uh, for my own instruments. And uh, that's my only experience with that. And it was, um, that's about as close as I can come to it. The rest of it, it's really just, again, to use the word craft, it's really just trying to play this instrument well and Mm. trying to play this instrument well in this one. And Mm. so that's why, if I talk to a jazz player, it's difficult sometimes for them to maybe, or to, you know, it's because my, my whole thing is the actual instrument and the sound. I don't really care about what I play. <laughs> it's not Garzon mm-hmm. and uh, Jerry Boganzi. They say, it's not what you play. It's how you play. Oh, I, I saw that in two different videos and I thought that that was so cool. Yeah. And, it's pretty much that's it. I really don't care what I'm playing. It's much more how how to play that thing and you know make the sound and you know that yeah. whole thing. So and so what kind of good tips can you give for flute or sax to make sound? Clarinet. What kind of things do you There's only one tip. It's all about your diaphragm. It's all about how you use your ear. It doesn't matter what kind of instrument you have, what kind of reed you use, what kind of ligature, mouthpiece, I don't care. And as far as tonguing and vibrato and all of that stuff, if you, it all comes from the way you blow, all of it. And wow. my teacher, God bless him, Joe Viola, yeah. not by what he said, but by the way he played, that finally, I finally understood. Uh, because when people, when sax players and teachers, they talk about it, they talk about the mouthpiece, they talk about the instrument, they talk about the reed. And after about 10 seconds of hearing that, there's this little bing, 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 bing. No, actually, it's not about the equipment. It's about how you're blowing into it. 
Yeah. And for me, that's, that's, that's all I know. Usually when I teach a sax student for the first time, I'll tell them, well, this is what I know about playing the saxophone. You, you have, I'm pointing to my diaphragm now. But, um, <laughs> you have to, it has to come from your diet. You have to use that. And that's all I know. So bye. <laughs> and then is there anything that you tell them for exercises with your diaphragm? There's things you can do for lying on the floor. You know, if you like, if, when you lie on the floor, you breathe naturally through your diaphragm. And okay. so you have to get the, the trouble is it's, it's easy to breathe in. When you breathe out, I can tell you what Joe Viola said. Yeah. Joe told me when you, when you blow out, you have to keep your, you, you have to try to keep it. You keep the, the balloon, uh, you know, what's the word? I can't think of the word in English. Extended. Uh, extended is exactly what I was going to And that's the hard part. He said, it feels like when you are going to the bathroom, uh, number two. And, and, and if you push down, oh, <laughs> that's actually what it is. When you push down, your diaphragm goes out. And so See? you keep your diaphragm out. While you're blowing. Yeah. So, so you, you keep it extended as much as possible while you're blowing out instead. Cause if you don't, it goes like that. And there's nothing uh, there. Oh, it's actually like a, a bellows. It deflates and you've got to keep it inflated. So when you, when you, when, you know, bellows, a bellows. Yes. Right? Yeah. So when you, when you do this, it doesn't go, it goes, cause you're, the nozzle is like this and the air is trying to get through it, but there's pressure. So you go and it keeps the balloon inside extended. That's what it is. That's probably the best uh, example. For sax and flute and for everything, clarinet. everything, especially flute, Same. especially clarinet. <laughs> it's all. Of, I mean, you know, I tell my Japanese students here: look, saxophone and flute and clarinet, trumpet, they're all called wind instruments. Why do you think they're called wind instruments? Because it comes from your wind. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first time I played flute in an ensemble in junior high school with the whole orchestra. I got so lightheaded. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. Sure, everybody does at the beginning. You get dizzy. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. After a couple of weeks, you get used to it, which is, I don't yeah. know why you get used to it. I should check that out sometime. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, awesome. sorry. Totally great. So I don't know if there's more stuff you want to talk about anytime. I'm, I mean, I could go on forever, you know, so. Yeah. But, well, um, I look forward to digging whatever. through some songs and saying, these are the ones I should send to Bob and we can collaborate. Yeah, you know, um, however you want to do it, it's I'm, I'm up for it. That's great. So cool to see you. Thank you so much. It's great to see you. And it's funny because, as I said, you're frozen. When I thought about when I got your mail, the times I've got, you know, all these years when I get your mail, my image is the way you look on the Two True album that we did. And <laughs> so that's what I kept thinking, kept thinking, kept thinking. And then yeah. I said, oh, you're doing these podcasts. So I look at the podcast and it's like, and then I, and like, I'm 70, you're, you're 63? Yeah. Damn. Damn. Well, I dye my hair. <laughs> yes. It doesn't get that yeah, great. Yeah, but I mean, still die, it's incredible. Right? It's uh, incredible, man. Well, my beard didn't go gray. That's all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't compare uh, them. Yeah. It's great to see you, really. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's a trip. It's a trip. You're the best, Bob. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bob Zung, woodwinds player, sax, clarinet, flute, 
I can't wait to do another song with him. Maybe he'll play several flutes and several clarinets and several saxes. That would be really cool. <laughs> Thanks so much, Bob. That was a lot of fun, and God, it was good to see you. You can check out my Instagram, El Pass Guitar, and see short little videos, segments, visuals of these conversations. And on YouTube, you can see the whole conversation if you want to see us. Thanks so much for listening. Keep making music. And go to your studio and make stuff.